Welcome to the Radio 191 FM podcast. A recently completed study led by the University of Otago has found bull kelp to have significantly larger migration patterns than we once thought. The geometric analysis has been carried out over decades and focused on washed-up kelp on the shores of Antarctica, New Zealand and Australia. The findings showed some kelp found on southeastern New Zealand beaches had come all the way from South Georgia and Marion Island. Here to discuss this with us now is lead author of the study, Associate Professor Crid Fraser from the Department of Marine Science at the University of Otago. Kia ora, Crid. Kia ora, Kaya. Thanks for having me on the show. Thank you for coming on. What was the process of collecting this data? Does their work send them out into a field, for want of a better term? Are they on boats, or is the computer, or is computer modelling used to collect the data for the kelp? So it was a bit of both. This this goes all the way back to my PhD at Otago, which I started in 2006. I'm showing my age now. But um, in that, I was collecting bits of rimu rapa, bull kelp, from all around the southern hemisphere. And we were trying to use genetics to see how far it was traveling. But at the time, we didn't have really good genetic tools available to us. So we couldn't really see very much. We could see it was traveling, but we couldn't really pinpoint exactly where something washing up on a beach had come from. But now, with modern genomic tools, we can really um, get high-resolution data that shows exactly where something has come from if we've got good background data from the population. So this kind of drew on those samples I collected way back in between 2006 and 2009, and it added some new samples that we've collected from beaches in Antarctica and beaches on New Zealand and Tasmania and things that were hiding in museums. And we used genomics to figure out exactly where they'd come from. And then we used computer modeling to work out how often this is happening. We could see it was happening across decades because we had samples from across decades going right back to the 1990s. But now with the modeling, we can show that it's happening all the time and what's driving it. What are the implications of this research for Aotearoa in terms of new organisms and species arriving on our shores with the kelp? Yeah, that's a really interesting question because at the moment, if I collect kelp from overseas and bring it in, say from the South Antarctic, even, um, you know, Macquarie Island, um, I have to register it as a foreign organism and it's kept under quarantine in the lab, even if it's dead and preserved. But in fact, what we're seeing is this kelp is reaching New Zealand on its own. And it's not just the kelp, but it's all sorts of animals that are traveling with the kelp. So there are little crustaceans and worms and sea stars and all sorts of things living in the base of the kelp, and they can travel tens of thousands of kilometres across oceans and wash up on new shores. So from a New Zealand perspective, I think, you know, it's not, it's not particularly concerning because it's been happening all the time for, for thousands and thousands of years, presumably. But, of course, it could bring new organisms with it, maybe organisms that we don't want, like marine viruses. So we have shown recently in another study that there are pathogens, diseases, that can travel with the kelp too. Do you see any difference in the kelp or its hitchhiking passengers after they arrive in their new country? Are they undergoing any change in transit? Well, interestingly, we, we don't actually see them um, establishing once they arrive. So we have really similar species or lineages here in New Zealand already. But when we get these ones coming up from the sub-Antarctic or um, from distant shores like Chile, if they reach New Zealand, they're not apparently kind of establishing and creating a community. And we think that's because 
there's already similar species here that are occupying that ecological space, I suppose, that niche. They, so something new will struggle to get in because there's already something here. So what this kelp travelling does is allow the kelp and the organisms to set up shop in a new place when there's a big disturbance like an earthquake, like the big earthquakes that happened up, at, um, up near Kaikoura in North Canterbury, and they kind of wiped out whole populations of kelp and other intertidal organisms along a big stretch of coast. So then there's the possibility for something that's travelling from a long way away to get a foot in the door. And you've mentioned how environmental things can impact the travel paths of this kelp. When it comes to changing ecosystems, species basically have three options. They can move, adapt or die. Some estimates show that between 20 and 80% of species, including animals and even trees, are on the move as a result of global warming. Is this also impacting the movement of kelp? Are the tides and oceanic systems altering course due to warming oceans? Or are passengers climbing on kelp rafts in search of a more sustainable climate? I'd say it's a bit of both. We've got definitely there's going to be changes to the ocean currents and wind patterns. And we know that wind has a big role in forcing the movement of things that are floating at the surface of the ocean um, in unexpected ways. So a storm can push something that's floating at the surface um, across uh, an ocean current that we would expect to take it in a different direction. So that's pretty cool. Um, and as the winds change direction and the ocean currents change direction, there's going to be some unpredictability in where these kelp rafts go. But it also positions the kelp and its invertebrate organisms, you know, the little animals that live inside it, to, to really, as you say, adapt or move to um, find a new place that they can live comfortably as their old habitat gets too warm for them. So already in places like um, Australia, we see a lot of kelp uh, shifting south because it's getting too warm in the north. They're starting to shift south, but of course once they reach the bottom of Australia, there's not really anywhere for them to go. Um, so they risk extinction dropping off the end. So something that can float as well as Rimu Rapa can is, is really um, in, a, in a good position to cross an ocean, find somewhere new and set up a new, new um, community that can survive as the climate warms. Has the results of this study changed the direction of where your research will go next? Um, well, we were, we've been thinking about this for uh, quite a lot, long time. Like I said, it sort of goes all the way back to 2006. But I think what's exciting is the new tools that we have available so things like high-resolution genomic data, high-power computer modelling, oceanographic modelling. And so that enables us to kind of start to broaden the question to not just where is kelp going and what about the animals that travel with it, but also anything that's floating at the surface of the ocean. So that includes things like plant seeds, driftwood, Sometimes little invertebrates like ants can hitch a ride on a bit of driftwood or um, floating man-made objects like styrofoam. They can all travel in the same way that the kelp does. And so as we get these new tools, we can start to understand dispersal dynamics in the southern hemisphere and figure out, you know, as you say, the risk of invasive species reaching New Zealand or the chance of these species surviving um, as the climate warms because they can reach new territory. This was a Radio 191 FM podcast. All of our content lives online at r1.co.nz.